Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Hey, welcome to the latest episode of the Driven Chat Podcast. How you doing? It's getting cold, isn't it? It's getting cold. Winter's here now. This is it. This is proper winter. Because yeah. I don't yeah. know why this happens and it catches me out every year. You have... It starts to feel like winter around sort of November, then it gets dark, and then it starts to get lighter again before the end of December. But the really cold stuff happens after Christmas, and it ruins my brain. How many Meteorologist years Marker in the house there. Hello there. <laughs> so, so we've got to say hello to everyone in the room. Sorry. Amy Shaw's here. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Andy J. How are you doing? Amy is making me giggle internally because she is wearing the most enormous <laughs> pair of headphones. Imagine a pneumatic drill operator with a tiny head and enormous headphones. Yep. You've got Amy Shaw right now. That she looks incredible <laughs> in, these, in these huge headphones that are the responsibility of... <laughs> you know what I look like? Um, what's that? I'm not a Star Wars person. Is it Princess whatever her face is? Princess Leia. That's the one, but with headphones instead of the, the buns. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> what's that Star Wars person? <laughs> <laughs> the princess with the buns. The, the Danish pastries the... <laughs> on there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, anyway, the, <laughs> the reason for the comic headphones is... They belong to Mr. Markart, and he refused to wear them. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, they're actually, believe it or not, this is going to uh, open up a side that I don't usually discuss in uh, the public domain. Those are my gaming headphones for when I'm playing Call of Duty with my friends, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is, yeah, I, I do that. So, you know. That's why I'm a bit proud. I'm a grown adult that plays these games. Call of Duty's great, mate. I'm right. much older than you, and Call of Duty's pretty <laughs> great fun. Find me in Warzone. 
I'm, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, I will love win. it. I will shoot you. Love it. Now, guys, look, we've got an interesting show today. And before we jump into the conversation that you guys have with a couple of very cool guys, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you both a question on the theme. Because then I disappear from the show, which, is, which will please a lot of our listeners. So I just want to kind of ask you a couple of, a couple of cool questions that I'm intrigued to know. And I hope, because I want, for 2021, I want our listeners, I'm, I read what they say, I want our listeners to know more about you two. Because yes, we get great guests and we're excited about chatting to cool people. But you two are very cool people in the oh. automotive world. We should, we should be talking to you guys more as well. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. You can have three cars for your ultimate track day. Ooh. Ooh. What do Ooh. you choose? Um, oh, I caught, I've caught them both out. Faces okay. of well, forlorn confusion. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because the thing is, I'm hoping that, like, like I get food envy. I'm thinking I'm going to get car envy when you start saying yours. So if I say my, one of mine first. I'm Are we doing it you, me, you, I me? I think that's the best right. way. Okay. So first one, because I've never done it and, you know, I've had my Mini for 10 years. <sighs> There's no way that I wouldn't have a Mini as a, as a track day car. I think they'd be Great. wicked fun and... Um, yeah, from what I've heard from people that are yeah that race them and uh, it, they, they're good fun. And also, I've seen on uh, on your little TV show, Andy, that I think you've got a, I've seen some minis going around tracks as well. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably watch that and see how that goes. That's that's not just a mini, Amy. That's Paddy Hopkirk's oh, Monte wow. Carlo Monte Carlo winning win mini. It's, okay, all right, like, right. That's what like that's the mini. So the, you might as well take yes, that one. Then. That one. I want. I want Paddy that Hopkirk's That's mini. his mini. I want that one. <laughs> I want that one. <laughs> Right, Mr. Marker, what would be one of yours? Um, just so I can understand this, we're going complete fancy here, aren't we? Money, no object. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not, ones you, not ones you own, right. so you don't I'm have to take to, yeah, no, yeah. I'm going to blow this out of the water then. So I'm going to start with the McLaren F1 um, GTR LM. Okay. Of course um, you are. All right, there. Because, yeah, Money there's, there's a casual 20 million quid's worth of car to <laughs> take around the track there. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's no, Amy, my... Amy's choice now, John. Amy's choice yeah, now. On. I oh, saw uh, you were about to dive into number two. Well, I was about to... I want to know why. First of all, why? Just uh, because it's fast, the, fun. It's the most iconic, in my opinion, supercar. Well, it was the birth of... Almost the birth of a hypercar. Mm-hmm. So McLaren at the time were making... This is early 90s. Were making racing cars and just racing cars and then said... Oh, should we ever go making a road car? And they made the McLaren F1, and it just it made everything else look. You know, everyone that had, every car manufacturer that was making fast cars just went, oh, for God's sake, because it was just so good. But it's just iconic, iconic driving position. So the driver sits in the centre of the car mm-hmm. with passenger seats, one to the right, one to the left yep. behind. Um, it's just magical. It's got a magical engine. It's built out of magic. The engine bay is lined with gold. I I kid you not. It is lined with gold to retain heat. It is just... Wow. Yeah. Okay. Magic. Fair I've, enough. S- I've sat in a prototype. Ooh. From a, we, we, I, I probably can't say too much about who owns it, but because we had some amazing access to some amazing private collections for the TV show, we were also able to see the ones we weren't allowed to film. And I was allowed to sit in a prototype one of those. That's cool. Like, <gasps> very good. That is very cool. Okay. It was really cool. I wasn't even allowed to take a selfie in it. It was like, <laughs> oh. Okay, jealousy. Please, I won't show anyone. They were like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but <laughs> it's 
really cool though. Sorry. Anyway, Amy, number two. Okay, number two, and I'll try and make this quick. Um, it'd have to be something classic. I don't know, something single seater classic. I don't know if I'd have like a Formula Junior or something more fancy like a single seat Maserati, Ferrari, something or other. I don't know. <laughs> Maserati, Ferrari, something or other. Yeah. I like that. It's one of my favourite Yeah, one cars. of those. I, I've not heard that. of the Maserati, Ferrari, something or other. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you may have sat in a prototype car, but have you sat in a Ferrari, Maserati, something or other? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> well, something, something, and neither can you. No, oh, no. But basically, something that I feel is the... The beginning of some very, very fun, you know, the 19, like 1960s F1 or 50s F1. 50s, even. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Something scary and the reason why, you know, we look at racing drivers in the past and go, bloody hell, you were good. And yeah, very brave people. <laughs> something, something like, are we, are we thinking Sterling Moss era? Yes. Yeah. Something more okay. like that. So yeah. And uh, no, because I think that the, the drivers were incredible. The cars were beautiful. And um, yeah, it'd be proper wicked fun. And, well. Yeah. And noises and scary and all of that. Real proper racing rather than being in some gold lined, something fancy, loads of money and, you know, noise cancellation because you can hear your radio and you get around and it's all easy because computers help you out and all there's, that. There's no computers in there. <laughs> and I'm a Karen F1, I can assure you. Is there not? None. Oh, None at all. No, but if if I can jump onto my car too, as we're on the still on the subject of good noises. Yep. And again, um, the, the listeners at home will be uh, enjoying my fantasy spend here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for my favourite Le Mans race car ever, which is a Mazda. Oh. This surprises a lot of people, mm -hmm. and there'll be people at home going nodding. Going, yeah, 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 because they know what I'm going to say the seven eight seven B Mazda, which won, I think. Oh God, I'm putting myself on the spot. In the early 90s, I'm going to say 93, 94, 92? I have no idea. I can't remember. It was a Le Mans winning car. I think the only Mazda to ever win at Le Mans. And it's, Amy's found a photo of it I on her it phone. i on my phone. It's green and orange. It's green and orange. It's called the 787B. If Ooh, anyone yeah. enjoys, like me, uh, again, Andy, you wanted to explore... Uh, the, the inner depths of Amy and I. Um, people have I've already revealed uh, that I'm a gamer. Um, second thing I'm going to reveal is I I quite often just sit at home watching YouTube videos of cars that I like the noises of. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So uh, I'm saying that because I know that I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm relieved. I mean, what I will say, John, is I'm, I'm relieved. I'm relieved you have found a girlfriend. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe this is the hidden side that we, we, we don't know about. Yeah, you. yeah. No, I, I know. <laughs> I know that I'm not alone here, and I know that there will be many people at home going, 
yeah, no, it's fair I do that. But if you yeah, want to, if you haven't, for whatever reason, if you're some sort of um, a petrol head alien that's missed this era of cars, go onto YouTube, type in Mazda 787B. Um, it's got the, the infamous, I love having an excuse to say this name, the infamous Wankel engine, <laughs> which is a four rotor um, rotary engine. And the noise that that car makes is mesmerizing. Uh, and the idea of driving one would be a magical, and if I can take it on a track day, hilarious. I mean, it's not going to pass any noise tests <laughs> at all, uh, but it doesn't matter. I'm in fantasy land. That's, that's <laughs> quick, my second choice. Quick follow-up, quick follow-up question to that one then, John. Yeah. Uh, given that that is, of course, uh, built for endurance. Yes. And we're talking about, and I said you've got three cars for a track day. Are you wanting to do some serious miles in that car? I like, are you be... wanting to try and do six, seven hours straight in it and wee in your pants and all the rest of it? Are you I, wanting to have the proper Le Mans experience? Ideally, yes. However, I would be very content just doing two or three laps. As long as I can get it up through the rev range and I just hear that magical noise all around me. I want people... Two or three laps... We oh. in your pants, happy. That <laughs> sounds like an average Monday, to be honest. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, those are good choices. We've got your third choice to come. Before I hear your choices, I would like to throw this out to the listener as well. Why not tell us what your ultimate three yeah. track yes. day cars would be? Definitely. Either, either if you're listening to this on iTunes, then you know you can do it via the Apple thing on the review. Make it your excuse to leave a review. Don't bother reviewing. Just tell us what your cars would be. I'm not, no, don't care whether you like the pod or not. If you're listening, thank you. Simple as that. But tell us what your cars would be. Or find us on Instagram. We're not really very good on Twitter, are we, John? But Instagram is at no. chat. Yeah, go, yeah, drop us a message on Instagram. And I'm trying to think, yeah, the best way to do it, because, of course, I, I, we've asked in the past, I think in episode one, was it episode, podcast episode one, we asked people to comment, to show us that you're listening by commenting, I love Laguna Seca Blue and Freeze. And it's... It still catches me out now, six months on. <laughs> I'll be looking at a photo, because I think I said in the episode, um, whatever, find our latest post and just write, I love Laguna Seca Blue and Peace. And now, of course, our team has grown slightly. So we've got more than, uh, more than one person that replies to comments on our, uh, on our social feeds. And <laughs> occasionally, somebody will write, I love Laguna Seca Blue and Threes. And I, I think some of our social media team aren't aware of that first podcast. They're like, why are people saying this on our, on our feed? But that's it. So, yeah, do you know what? Um, well, let, let's break it again. And whatever you're listening to now, uh, or whenever you're listening to this, uh, find our latest post on Instagram and just comment. Just say, my three best track day cars are. And just so it can confuse our social media team. That'd be great. <laughs> and, and also answer our question. I think it's really interesting. It is. I'm, loving, yeah. I'm loving your answers so far. Okay, last choice. So, Amy, you've, you've so far had your Ferrari Maserati thing, yep. which turned into a, a Sterling Moss F1 Cup. Brilliant. And your Mini. <laughs> yes. How do you complete the trilogy? Uh, I'd have to go something um, like... I'm really boring. Uh, some form of like semi-lightweight Jaguar E-Type or something like that, which is not a boring car. Oh, I feel, like, I feel like you've done that. Well, I, it's the eras. It's, that's, my, that's my era. And so those are, this would be my range of cars I'd have in the era. You want What you eras. want is the low drag coupe. Yes. That's the E-Type low drag coupe. It's beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. I think it's one of my favourite things to photograph when I'm at the Goodwood Revival. That race with all of the E-Types, short oil based Ferraris and all mm, that jazz. St Mary's Trophy. Is that the one? I think. Anyway, yes. I, th I think you'll have a lot of people agreeing with you on that, Amy. It's yeah. a cool it's, choice. It, it's, it's an iconic really, choice. Yeah, and people go sideways and they look fun and I'm like, yeah, I love that. John, number three. So, 
Yeah, where do you where do you follow? How do you follow a Le Mans endurance legend, John? Yeah, uh, well, ultimately, I've picked two Le Mans cars so far. So I, for the third one, I'm going. To, it's going. It is going to be a race car. I'm going to go for a 1973 Ooh. specifically Porsche 911 RSR, which is the which was the race car that it was yeah. built for Le Mans. Um, it's, I've driven one, so I was very, very, very lucky uh, a good few years ago to um, have the opportunity to drive one around Goodwood, and I wanted to hate it because it's been a dream car of mine since I was tiny, and uh, I wanted to hate it so that I could kind of hypothetically cross it off the list of things I'm one day going to buy, <laughs> and instead it, it just completely blew my mind, and it's magical. And Yeah, I mean, we all love 911s. The, the way they sound, the way they drive, it's just... It's, it's, it's magic. It was whatever... Porsche were feeding their engineers in the early 70s was was clearly some sort of magic juice because it just does incredible things and it can it can make modern supercars and hypercars look slow it's just incredible so yeah that's my thing is there, is there one of those with very famous sponsorship on it uh, many 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 yeah so the a lot of them were martini liveried um, that's the one that's what I'm thinking yeah. is it the martini Porsche there's, yeah, yeah there's martini ones I mean it's it's difficult because awesome. a few years later came the group C cars which were the the 930 turbos and oh, I, I could yeah it's you a difficult one but I'm going for the I'm going for the 73 RSL that's my choice there we Amazing. are when can Amazing. we expect these to be delivered Andy I'm free all weekend um yeah so that's um <laughs> <laughs> On that note. So guys, listen, it's, it's, it's over to you to chat to some, some dudes. Yeah. I'm excited about this, actually. I'm really looking for, I've been waiting to listen to this one for a while, and you haven't let me hear it for a bit. These, these guys seem really cool, so I, I don't want to kind of take up too much time. Tell us, and, cool. and let's jump in. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to jump in with Alex and Matt, who are the founders of Camber and Combustion. This is a, a YouTube channel and Instagram account um, where these are two blokes who, uh, just like me, um, love spending any free moment they have on track. And they're both accomplished racing drivers. They've both had a, a great career racing and now are spending, uh, rather than driving around in racing cars, they're actually driving around in mostly fairly affordable cars. What we're gonna do, I hope, in this episode is if you are somebody that is interested in driving on track and track days and the idea of it, um, we'll be able to show that it's, it's actually not an unattainable world. It's, it's something that we can all do at an affordable price. and. Despite the fantasy money that you just spent. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, ignore what I've said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is... Ignore, ignore the Mark our millions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reality is uh, that my track day car is actually very cheap. So, uh, yeah, no, but these, it, it's going to be a great episode. I hope that people do enjoy it because um, I know that track days for a lot of people is something that people want to do and they're quite scared of it. They, it's a world that they don't know quite how to venture into. Um, the boys throw down a fantastic gauntlet drop for Amy as well. Because um, at the time of recording, which I believe now, gosh, I think it was early November we recorded this conversation, wow. Amy had just done her first mm -hmm. race at Silverstone. So yeah, there's going to be a bit of a gauntlet drop for Amy, and I think we even float the idea of uh, having a track day with the driven team. Yeah. So let's let's try and make that happen as well. All right. Yeah, with like all of it. our new track cars that Andy's going to kindly get delivered to our houses. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Cheers, Andy. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this new TV show, you know, you've got to be earning about a million quid an episode. I've exactly. seen how the TV world works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> right, guys, let's hear the show. Um, thanks very much. Can't wait. Let's dive in. 
The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, hello there, podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Driven Chat Podcast, where this week I am in the studio. It's John Marco here, just in case you hadn't guessed. Hello. And I'm in the studio here with Amy Shaw. Hello. Say, say hi, Amy. How are you doing? Oh, good, thanks. Uh, we haven't got Andy with us on this episode. Um, I'll explain why very, very shortly, but... Uh, I think the most important thing to do is introduce the guests that we're talking to. I think we're going to have quite an interesting conversation today because I've got two friends of mine that have joined us in the studio to talk about all things relating to having fun on track, be that motorsport, track days, being a better driver, that sort of thing. I have Alex and I have Matt here with us from Canva and Combustion. Hello, Hello, John. Hello. Hello, Hello Amy. <laughs> Hello, how are you Hi, guys John. doing? Very good. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're very, very welcome. So I guess... There will be a few people listening that will know exactly who you are because they are probably following you already on both YouTube and Instagram. And there'll be many people at home thinking, no, I'm not sure if I do know who these guys are. So I don't know if I should hand over to Alex or to Matt first, but to give us an overview of what it is that you do and why so many people are now watching you on the internet <laughs> <laughs> um, and how you actually might be able to help our dear listeners with their interest in driving on track. So oh. who, who would like to take the reins? Should I go? Yeah, you go. I'll go. Okay, yeah. So um, so who are we? So we are a couple of petroheads who've known each other since we are about 11 years old. We started driving at something called the Under-17 Car Club where you could go on private roads or private tracks. Mm -hmm. You could take your parents' cars and you get taught how to drive to like advanced driving standards but to road standards mm -hmm. from the age of 11 all the way up to 16, I think it was, 17, yeah, right, yeah. around that. Yeah. Um, and it was a really nice way to start your driving off uh, away from the road, away from crazy people who were beeping at you as being a learner <laughs> in a really nice, safe environment. Yep. Um, so we met there. We started driving our parents' cars. I turned up in my mum's Peugeot 405, I think it was, 1.8 GLX. 1.8 GLX, GLX yeah. Nice. And you were in, your, you were in your parents. 1.3 Ford KA. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and we quickly got to know each other because we, we were both just massive petrol heads at the time. and, and um, It was just coincidence, wasn't it? Like our, yeah. our dad started... Having a having a chat on the first day of that we that we went to the yeah club. they did and they then did. we just exchanged MSN messenger details oh, back yes. in those days <laughs> yes. and you know like ev pretty much every night we were just having these lengthy <laughs> two three hour conversations about you know all kinds of car jargon names and just yeah throwing it all about you know the kind of chat that you couldn't have with school friends because you didn't have school friends at the time were that like stupidly into cars <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so I think um, that's something we can all relate to actually because yeah. I have very very firm memories of being at school I was one of those people and I'm sure the majority of people are listening are those people as well where yeah, you kind of realise very quickly, oh, am I a bit weird? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I know yes, so much yeah. about cars. <laughs> Specific to John, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then, and then, of course, as you, as you grow older, you meet other people and you go, oh, you're a weirdo too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that oh, moment. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So you had a nice moment bonding over car geekery. And yeah. luckily that was at like 11 or 12 years old. So we knew from, an, from the off. We'd found a friend in each other who we could, <laughs> who we could geek out as much as we wanted to about this stuff. Yeah. Um, the club was great though, so it was it was you quickly got up to the point of driving to a really good standard mm. as a little kid, and you'd be driving around these tracks. They used Castle Coombe all the time, but they put cones down the middle mm. and they put roads and roundabouts mm. and simulated a road environment. Um, and you'd be driving along in your mum's Peugeot or your dad's 4K, and you see some kid who could barely sit over the wheel, like on four cushions, driving his dad's Maserati, <laughs> with his dad like sat there biting his nail. Please don't crash into the cones. Please don't crash into the cones. Um, so it was a great experience, but there was there was the roadside, roadside of the driving there, and and then at Castle Coombe, 
in the afternoons, when everyone else has finished, they have what they call advanced car control. So they take away the cones off the track um, and they put it like to a one-way track mm-hmm. and you just get to drive your car in an advanced, slightly sort of high-performance manner. And this is what we live for. We like The driving to road standards by the day was like, yeah, great, fine. We can do that with our eyes closed now. But we were just sat there waiting yeah. for the advanced <laughs> driving bit. Um, yeah. So I guess that was our first real taste of track driving yeah, itself. Yeah. And we loved it. It was. We loved it a lot. Yeah, and then you started to get into, you picked up a, an MR2 at the age of 15. Mark 1 MR2? Yeah, Mark 1 MR2. And started dabbling in a little bit of uh, like odds level tuition. Yeah, and, did, um, so we did a bit of, I did a bit of, um, I started off just in the track day world because mm-hmm. at 15, you can't go and race or do a track day without some qualified instructor sat next to you. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what, what age can you start getting on a track with a qualified instructor I next think, to so you? So when I, when I did it, you had to be, I think if you were below, 17 if you didn't have a driving license i think from the age of 15 mm. you had to have a tutor next year at all times okay um and there were guys who specialize in in teaching sort of young kids mm-hmm. so they that was what they did day to day working with younger guys mm-hmm. to help get them up to speed quicker um so yeah we did a bit of that and then that turned into actually doing some racing for a couple of years in the mr2s i think i my first race my first season i did before i had a dry an actual driving <laughs> license and i was on a race <laughs> in a racetrack at silverstone a grid with 30 other cars doing 120 miles an hour that's incredible my mum like Stood there behind her, <laughs> behind with her eyes over, her hands over her eyes, like scared, witless. Well, yeah. uh, now I just want to quickly ask both of you. I expect that when you both did your driving tests, you didn't have to do much tuition beforehand, and you nailed it first time. How many minors did you get? I ashamedly actually failed my theory test the first time. <laughs> <Did> you? Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know the hazard perception. Yeah, yeah, I failed the hazard perception. Too many clicks or not enough clicks? It was not enough clicks. Because <laughs> I remember people telling me the story that they're going, "Oh no, you just literally just sit there, go click, 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 yeah. click, yeah. click, yeah. and you can't fail." And yeah, then I had yeah. other people going, "Oh no, 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 they'll fail you if you do that." Yeah, yeah I, I just went in without practicing the hazard perception at all, and was like, "It's going to be fine." <laughs> How hard can it? Be? Wasn't fine at all. So then I did a few like online like practice runs, and it was absolutely fine. But the yeah. th- the, the practical was a breeze. Yeah. Any minors? Didn't answer my question. Two. Two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. So same as me actually. Two. Yeah. yeah. I got one because the the route of our driving test was past my college. Okay. And my driving test slot was at college chucking out time, and my mates knew I was on the driving test. Oh <laughs> no! So I literally stood in a line outside of my school. And as I came past, they were just going, yeah. <laughs> and there's a roundabout at the end of the road. And at the roundabout, because I was laughing so hard at my mates, I missed my mirror check. <laughs> I just saw the guy next to me just like scribbled down his note. And I was like, they've done me there. That would have been so, funny if it was a major. Like, yeah, if they yeah, forced imagine. you into a major, that would have been I'd really funny. I would have charged them. I would have gone back to <laughs> yeah. the invoice guys for that test. That's brilliant. But you did, you did pretty well on, in your first year, didn't you? Yes, yeah, so the first season, actually my very first race in this grid of about 30 mm-hmm. MR2s, after about three laps, I was in the lead. Oh, wow. And I was like, how on earth is this? <laughs> and actually, I was racing against a guy who instructed me for the year leading up to it. Got it, okay. So I, I, he was a, a good driver, a good racer himself, and um, gave me loads of tuition. And he ha- happened to enter that first race as well for someone yeah. else's team. And the look on his face, and I qualified ahead of him, yeah, and then got past like, him at like the third lap. But I just, as I went past, I just thought, imagine how raging he is. <laughs> now. He's like, he is steaming. So <laughs> you're how old at this point? Fifteen. I was sixteen, I think, when I did my first 16. race. Yeah, so 16. would you say that that was the first time you realised you were quite quick as a racer? Um, yeah. So I did a lot of karting before that, actually, mm. and always did well at karting. I didn't know anything sort of national level, but all the club level stuff did stuff that I did went really well and mm-hmm. had a quite a few good results in that. So that gave me an inkling that there was a potential to take it further, and um, and yeah, I guess getting in getting in the race amongst a competitive grid of a lot of other guys, and then being at the front of it really quickly, thought either everyone else is really bad, <laughs> which is always an option, <laughs> or actually I'm pretty pretty good at this. Um, so the first year, 
first show, I ha- we just had a load of issues with car reliability. Um, and rogue team bosses who were supposed to be changing head gaskets between races and never did, and then, and then left the country never to be seen again. So oh, just wow. standard, low-level mm-hmm. motorsport goings-on. Yeah. Um, but years two and three, when I raced that, I won the championship oh, well. both years well outright, which was, which was great. I think the second year I got like nine out of 13 wins, and the third year was 11 out of 13 wins. So it was... <laughs> It was good, yeah. At that point, I was like, yeah, "All right, this." So yeah, it was it was a nice foray into motorsport at that point, and you had to go yourself, Matt, in some slightly other series, didn't you, and some other cars, yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. So after a couple of years of seeing Alex um, crack on in the MR2s, I had the opportunity to race an Impreza using a little bit of my inheritance money that I'd I'd got from my my grandfather. Um, so gave that a dabble. Entered kind of mid-season, um, did four races in total. But I just found myself it was a slightly less competitive championship so in that particular class that I was competing in there was about five six cars of the same class mm-hmm. and it was amongst a, a wider grid of different categories etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. so it wasn't super competitive and I just found myself like just wanting to drift all the time like <laughs> race and just slide the car around I was like way more interested in just like seeing like how backwards I could enter the next corner <laughs> rather than actually racing people so um yeah, Alex has actually got a great little clip of me from like yeah, 2010 brilliant. recorded from his potato cam. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which you can barely make out with just me like slithering through hall bends at, at Cadwell Park. And Cadwell, um, that bit of Cadwell, have you driven it? Amy? I've not driven Cadwell. So that bit no. of Cadwell is probably the, the tightest bit of racetrack in the country. <laughs> oh, like yes. it's got the, the barriers probably what, five foot from the edge of the track yeah. on either side? Uh, it was meant to woodland be woodland either side of it as it well. It was meant to be my first track that I was going to race my. The, the, so I've just the races last weekend in an XJS. So I was meant to be in the XJS. Is an XJS even fit right <laughs> <laughs> then they thought, you know what? Maybe if you first race Cadwell in an XJS, probably isn't the best idea. So yeah, um, yeah no, I, I've heard it is is really tight, twiddly, but also meant to be one of the most fun tracks that you, there is in the UK as well. Yeah. I've yeah, heard from a lot we'll, of people. We'll vouch for that. It's, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. It's, I think perhaps what makes it so unique is is the elevation change. Yeah, and undulations. Yeah, yeah. People um, often say it's the the UK's version of a mini Nurburgring. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Right. Until you kind of visit it, and I guess it helps if you've visited the ring. But until you've actually vis- visited and driven it, you go, oh. Yeah, blimey. And I remember, Amy, you actually saying, when you were talking about starting out your racing and saying, oh, yeah, our first race is going to be at Cadwell Park. Yeah. And I think you might have read my face being like, <laughs> yeah. your, your first race is going to be at Cadwell Park in a, in an XJS. <laughs> oh, wow, that would be great. So then when you said, oh, no, it's changed, it's going to be Silverstone now, I was like, oh, God. Yes. I think Cadwell is about 1.5 XJSs wide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. At best. Yeah. Right. It should be the universal measurement system of how wide is the track. It's, uh, it's 2.3 XJS. Yeah. <laughs> Forget London buses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the the potato cam clip of Matt is something special because it was it was mid race. Everyone else is trying their best to go as fast as possible yeah. in a straight line, and then it goes quiet because there's a break in the traffic. And you just hear this massive amount of tire squeal come out of nowhere. <laughs> Matt enters stage right on the shot, just completely <laughs> broadside through. The whole I'm there giggling like a little kid. My mum's going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> the commentators are going mad. Like the marshals are cheering on as well. And we yeah. thought, like Matt is. Matt is a special talent. No one else is doing this. <laughs> so did you come last in that race just because you were drifting all the way around every corner? Um, in that, So that was my first race, and that was actually at Cadwell Park. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I came, I think, second or third in class in that race. Nice. And then sub- subsequent races, I came first in class. Um, with style as well. With style, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I started to see the inheritance money disappearing rather quickly. <laughs> I was like, well, I am still 18, and I think... The, the wise decision at this point is just to um, not spend all of it. Mm. You know, there's always the future and just to, to put it aside for a, a later date. So so that, I guess, 
that thinking back to that particular scene, Alex, you filming with your potato phone camera or whatever <laughs> it was, and Matt sliding around, and you both giggling at each other. Fast forward to today, yeah, and. Uh, the followers of Cameron Combustion will already know that if they look at your YouTube channel or your Instagram account, they will see what is essentially two grown adults <laughs> filming each other with luckily something a little more advanced than a potato camera, but giggling at each other, driving like absolute hooligans yeah. on track days and racetracks <laughs> around the UK. So could you say that perhaps accidentally, impromptuly, that was the birth of what was to then become Cameron Combustion? Because how did how did you then go from... I think you've, you've kind of given the game away slightly by men- mentioning the M word, which is money, which, of course, for the world of motorsport and racing, as hobbies go, I would be hard pushed unless you talk about collecting yachts to find anything more expensive than trying <laughs> to have motorsport as a hobby. So how did you transition and what was the journey from giving up the race boots and then focusing a little bit more on the track day side of things and now what you're doing as Cameron Combustion? Yeah, sure. So I think... After the age of about 18, 19, um, Alex, you continue to do track days with your dad and his E36 M3. Mm-hmm. I kind of maybe took a couple of years of just doing no track days at all. Um, I, start, I, I was kind of in my university phase and then straight out of university, I started started working. And about through that time, I didn't really do much at all. Alex still had it on the back burner. And I think it was like a cars and coffee meet. At, I think it was at Merlin's place in in oh, the right. Kew Gardens. Of London. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we met up for yeah, a, we did. a cake right. and coffee. Yeah, it was just completely out of the blue. We just, you know, Alex said, "I'm going to go to this thing because uh, John's going and, and a couple others were going." I was like, "All right, it's local to me," so I popped down. And I think by this point, you know, we'd had a couple of years in the, um, you know, the commercial world in in our roles in our jobs, and um, we just find found it wasn't quite, you know, sc- scratching that itch for us. Mm-hmm. It was something that we felt, you know, we'd left unturned. So we just started to throw some ideas around and we're like let's try and do something and and we don't know what it is but let's let's try and do it Mm -hmm. so Alex invited me along to the next track day that him and his dad were doing in the 36 it was at Thruxton I came along and we just put a camera in front of our faces and just shot a video of us just talking (laughs) absolute rubbish you know (laughs) saying this is what we are we don't know what we are and this is what we're going to do but we don't quite know what we're going to do and um, I think we just decided that we wanted to put some content out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we found a little bit of a gap, which was, you know, the track day videos out there, they were either like poorly filmed with bad camera placement mm-hmm. um, with reasonable driving or they were good camera fitments and like, you know, people were leaving a little bit on the table with their driving. It was a little bit, a little bit vanilla. Yeah. Um, so I thought, let's just get, nail the camera fitment, nail the driving and just see see what happens. So that's what we started to do. We just started to, do more track days um and yeah film it chuck it out there and see see how the world responded really and that's yes. it just started to to grow from there and we've always and we've always just been ourselves as well as we don't do anything different to what we would do if we weren't filming any of mm-hmm. it if we were just two mates going on a track day with no cameras around we would still be doing exactly the same thing <laughs> laughing like a pair but of but i think that is how you've become as successful as you have done because that honestly really does come across in in your videos as well you're saying is my awful laugh that's endearing that's what it is endearing but no people can see the honest fun that you guys have and they think yeah i want to feel like i'm part of that even if i can't be part of that because yeah. x y and z reasons and so being able to watch you guys they can live vicariously on these tracks with you which is amazing so uh yeah so some of the best tracks that you've driven in the what UK or the world give me some tracks that I can now get on <laughs> I mean you've you got to put the Nürburgring up there haven't you? Okay. That's, always, that's always on a list but um, yeah I've done Spa and Spa's pretty unique a lot of people it's say a, that yeah it's a different challenge because it's a really fast wide Grand Prix track obviously yep. so 
we haven't done it in cars like we have currently. We haven't done it in, our, done it in any of our sort of sub 200 horsepower front wheel drive cars. Mm. I did it in an E36 M3, which is 320 brakes. It's a nice fast car and suits mm. the track really well. But I think that what we've worked out is it doesn't matter actually what car you're in on any track. It matters who you're with when you do it. So okay. if, if you could be on your own in any of these tracks in a McLaren or a Ferrari or mm. a Porsche GT3, and if you're on your own, you might quickly get to the point where you realise you're just lapping by yourself, having fun, mm-hmm. but there's nothing more to it. You can try and improve your lap times a bit here. But actually where we've realised the fun lies is when you've got a group of you in very similar cars mm-hmm. who are obviously not racing because racing is definitely not allowed on track nope. days. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no timing, no racing <laughs> no or timing, anything. No nope. racing, no. <laughs> Just um, happen to be going around to get at the same point on track together. Yeah. Um, perhaps sometimes a little too close to each other as well. <laughs> I think it's a good point to step in here. For, just in case anyone's listening that's going, so, and this is, again, for people that aren't already following you, because I can imagine a lot of people are going to be listening to this and now going over to the YouTube channel and seeing <laughs> what you drive. But there will be a few people listening going, so these guys, you know, yeah, I've heard mentions of M3s and stuff. I think it's important to point out, it's, it's, it's a perfectly valid point from your um, wanting to just have fun ethos. A lot of people that are, you know, wanting to get into the world of track days, I think they th- they think that it's essential they have something really fast yeah. or really posh or really expensive. Yeah. Um, you guys, I'm not going to take any credit away from your car. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we dare, John. <laughs> Be careful what you say it, John. <laughs> but they are, well, why don't you tell us? What, Matt, what are you driving on track mostly? So I'm driving a 306 GTI, which I have had now since 2014. Um so a fun car to me, the 306 GTI6, because um, when I was about 10, 11 years old, my, my brother had leased them from new. Uh, he right. had a couple of them. Um, and yeah, just like I have very fond memories of just ripping around the country in the passenger seat in, in them. And like ever since then, I've just always wanted one. So as soon as I could, I got one at uni. Um, unfortunately, I crashed my first one, like 200 like yards from home, which is oh. extremely frustrating <laughs> if someone pulled out without looking. Um I took the engine out of that one, bought a broken one, and amalgamated a car out of the two. So, yeah, and I've built it up very slowly over the years to the point where it's now today a, a caged, dedicated track car. Mm-hmm. So, it's a special thing, isn't it, to you? Yeah, it's very it's dear really to cool. my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, yeah, Matt's got the 306. And I, I mean, it pains me to say it, but I'm a real Renault fanboy now. Like, there was a day, <laughs> probably, there was a day probably about five years ago where Matt would tell you I would never step foot or own a front-wheel drive hot hatch. I was always, our oh, rear-wheel drive where it's, is where it's at. Front-wheel drive is for wimps. You don't need it. It's wrong-wheel drive. So but what actually, point did you change? It's a good question. So it, <laughs> When did you break? Yes. Yeah. Where did it all go wrong? You're right. I'm a, broken, I'm a broken man. I need help. Serious help. It all went wrong, actually, when we did our... We did our first Nürburgring trip yeah. at the back end of 2017, wasn't it? So we'd booked this trip to the ring. Matt was taking the 306 and I'd booked a separate like ferry ticket for me in a car, not really knowing what I was going to take. And then one day at work, I had this crazy idea to say, you know what? I'm just, I might just buy a car because, for the trip. Yeah, because I had the 306 yeah. and at the time you had the, you got an E36 road car, which you've yeah. still got an M3. Mm-hmm. And we just thought if we put those two together on track, like the 306 is going to be fun around the twisties. Mm. Um, the E36 is going to be a bit wallowy around because it's, you know, standard suspension by back springs or whatever it's got. It's going to be a bit wallowy and it's just going to be, it's, you know, it's, we're just going to be not really seeing each other on track. So that's when you had this epiphany. epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think perhaps, perhaps the epiphany was, was born from watching too many hours of best motoring videos okay. yep. where they have five lap, ba- five lap battles around Sukuba in mm. like very similarly matched, whatever they are, Honda eco boxes, uh, e- SUVs. Yep. Integras, there's always an NSX and there's someone that always wins. <laughs> it can be up against McLaren P1 and somehow an NSX still wins yeah. in those shows. But yeah, we've seen that and we thought that looks like great fun, like having two very 
evenly matched cars on mm-hmm. track. So yeah, I said to Matt, you know what? I'm just going to buy a Clio 197. And I went and found one like a week later. It was pretty standard. Yeah. Um, my idea was that I'm going to buy this car, drive it to the ring, thrash it around the ring for a weekend, drive it home and sell it. Um, it turned out that we had far too much fun to me to sell it. <laughs> yeah. at that point. And I guess that was the point at which we realised that actually having two very similar was, paced cars yeah. was something real special. Because mm-hmm. we spent a whole weekend just bumper to bumper on the ring in in cars that were so evenly matched. And perhaps they shouldn't have been. The Clio, in theory, should have been a bit quicker. Yeah, on paper. Um, but perhaps the lightweightness of the 306 yeah. and... And maybe me not having the world's healthiest Clio, perhaps, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> meant that they were they were neck and neck the whole time. And yeah. just having lap after lap of bumper to bumper, like really close fun mm-hmm. on the ring was was like nothing we'd ever done before, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably a, a, a pinnacle moment for the, yeah, the growth so. of camera combustion in the yeah. sense of, again, a bit like you, you had this off-the-cuff idea to do some filming at a racetrack many, many years ago that planted a seed. Then, of course, you've gone out and bought a car that you perhaps weren't, aspiring to buy or own that turned out to be a bit of an unexpected light bulb on as well <laughs> let's let's bring it forward now because the it's gone a bit beyond just two blokes having a bit of fun and you know filming it on youtube i mean obviously it still is that and that's the reason that it's so enjoyable for a lot of people but this is now becoming a bit more of a business as well isn't it you're, yeah. you're kind of pushing this forward to, to to service other people and i mean there is a reason i thought it would be good to get you two in here as well as amy because of course amy is embarking at very beginning of her motorsport yes. career Exciting time, just completed yes. your first race yes, and I, I think it's fair to say you have the bug you now want yes. to continue and, and you want to <laughs> yes. push that even further um and you guys are now kind of putting together with your knowledge because there's there's no denying despite the fact that your videos are absolutely hilarious when you do watch them there's no denying that your driving ability is absolutely phenomenal and of course one of the great joys as somebody that enjoys going to track days myself one of the biggest joys is seeing people turn up in really expensive supercars or you know porsche gt3s or cars that are essentially marketed to be fast on track being absolutely slaughtered <laughs> by what is effectively a two thousand pound so um yeah why don't you tell us a bit about what you're doing now as a business and your aspirations for for the brand yeah sure so as we've kind of gained momentum with followings on YouTube and, and Instagram, we found people just starting to reach out to us with different requests. So we've had, you know, over the years, we had people asking for little tips on how to set up their car, a little bit of driving advice here and there. Um, and I actually used to work at the AA, um, the, Automo- the Automobile Association, so the breakdown company um, in, in London, in Covent Garden. And one of the directors there started racing in the Caterham Academy. And... Um, after the first couple of races, I sit, I was sitting quite close to where his desk was and I would hear him chatting about his race weekends and he was like, I was so far behind the rest of the group. I just basically, I got really upset about hearing how bad he'd been doing in these <laughs> events. Did he know what you did at he the did, time? He didn't know at the so time. He didn't know, so you're, you're just like listening. In the I, was just, I, I listened in twice. I was like, okay, I gave him one chance, right? After the first race, I was like, okay, might just be having a bad time there. After like his second race, him coming back and me overhearing that he'd just like been obliterated beyond <laughs> obliterated i thought i can't deal with this anymore so i was like james look this is you know this is what i do in my spare time this is what i like to do let's go on a track day and let's please make you better so i don't 
have to hear these stories anymore. <laughs> so um, we went out and yeah, did, can I, I just, what was his reaction to that? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Big Boss sat at his desk and I'm imagining like a, a Chesterfield back chair <laughs> and suddenly the boy comes in from outside. <laughs> I did it in much more of a, a roundabout way. Um, and he, you know, he was at a point where he was just very welcome for any any kind of help at all. Amazing. So, once so you weren't fired from the AA? No. You kept the job. No, absolutely. So... Um, I did a few track days with him and he'd actually tried a host of different instructors before, you know, ones that had raced in, in GT series, you know, Formula Ford, et cetera, et cetera. So and he either just, he was really terrible or you're just a really good instructor. <laughs> well, he, he just, you know, he just couldn't get on with those instructors. He didn't know why, but he just, he just, he just found himself like not being able to progress with these guys and found himself really frustrated. So after a few track days, um, of me helping him he, he he just really enjoyed the style that I was you know approaching things in and all this kind of stuff and in the end the series photographer looked back at the season and said you know James you are literally the best improved driver that I've seen like mm. in years of, of taking photographs for this series so that was really nice and at that point I was like you know maybe maybe there's something here maybe we can help people to become better as you know as well as just focusing on our own stuff so that's when you know me and Alex started to throw some ideas around about how could we take this to the next step and, and how could we make a little bit more of that? Yeah, and it's I think it's a really fulfilling thing to do, actually, to work with someone who is really keen to learn and really keen to improve and just be able to have an input into that improvement, actually. Mm -hmm. And especially in a competitive environment on a grid where you can where you can literally look at the result sheet from the point before you start to help them out mm -hmm. and at the end of the season after you've helped them and just seeing the improvements that they've made. Um, it's just a really nice thing to, to be involved in and to know that you've made a bit of a difference towards. So think we both realize that that's it's, it's an important thing for us to be able to help people out from that mm -hmm. point of view mm -hmm. especially if it's in a field that we have a massive natural passion and interest for as well mm -hmm. um so yeah so we've we've been thinking about what we could do with it and um obviously at the moment practical driving tuition on tracks is becoming slightly challenging with social yeah. distancing and Absolutely. impending additional lockdown number twos and, and this and that so we've um we've actually realized ourselves that there's a lot that can be learned not in the car there's a lot that can be learned either through Sim racing at home, like the, the power of sims these days mm -hmm. is incredible. They're so realistic that that's why all the drivers and Formula One teams and GT teams, they have massive simulators because when they haven't got time or access to a track, they can go and sit in the sim and get real experience and get real benefit from doing it. And even if you've got a sim rig at home with your play seat and your PlayStation, your PS4 and you're playing Gran Turismo or Assetto Corsa or Project Cars, there's a lot to be gained from that. Mm -hmm. So we, we realised perhaps through many hours of misspent gaming over lockdown number one <laughs> online. It was, it, was, it was, you know, business research. It was, yes. Amy, it yeah. was, yeah. It was all research and nothing else. Um, but so that's just one of the things that you can do at home to help. But we realised there's a lot you can do. Yeah, we started to reverse engineer kind of like how we'd got to this point and mm. what important things we'd, we'd done, watched and, and participated in, which helped us to kind of progress and, and make big steps in our abilities. And um, I think we realised that, you know, even so much as our time watching all of those like track battle videos mm. of, from best motoring like had a big effect on on you know our our abilities mm -hmm. so yeah so we're at the point now where i think when this comes out when it does come out we're we're looking to put forward like an on some sort of online e-learning performance driving sort of slightly more advanced driving course that we can just use to help people improve their track driving abilities cool sign um, me up yeah <laughs> customer number one <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, the idea being that people can go to the website for example and have like a step-by-step -step, how, how will it work will it be like a, a run-through of um 
different courses like car handling versus braking or yeah, what's the what can people expect to see because i think a lot of people will be thinking how there'll be a lot of people that just assume the only way to get better in a car is to have somebody seat time. sat next to you mm-hmm. and yeah and seat time of course which we can't deny so is a fantastic thing yeah um, but what can people expect to see on the website that might be able to help them which because i don't think this is something that exists really much there are lots of people that have done blog posts and you get a, a few instructors that have come up with you can watch youtube videos where somebody's talking in an angel voice and you turn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah you guys are actually working on something that you hope people will be able to really understand and take away from and then perhaps carry forward the knowledge that they've absorbed through reading yeah then in the practical session of being on a track day yeah so, so we're still to nail down some of the specifics um but the basis is we want to create a, a community and a platform um where we drip feed um basically the required information to learn at what we feel is is the best pace for for those individuals Mm -hmm. so create a set course where each maybe each month each couple of weeks we release new content in a structured way that enables them to progress um and step through those those basically those points and become a better driver and that platform will be open so that those people taking the courses can ask to ask us questions at any point and Mm -hmm. we can chip in and you know we've also thought about um basically creating maybe some like in-person events as well to uh to facilitate some of those as well um yeah I yeah think you're right john seat time is always important mm. when learning to drive and improve your driving but to get to the point where you're in the seat and you can learn and improve there's always a bit of theory and understanding that you have yes. to try and pick up before that so when you're in the seat itself you know what to be aware of yeah. you know what to yeah. look out for you know what to feel in the car so I, I think a lot of what we will be, be focusing on is all the stuff to heighten your senses about mm-hmm. about how you could increase your understanding of what the car's doing at any point. Would it be for just more modern cars or for classic cars as well or a mixture of... The, the theories, the, the principles of driving mm-hmm. apply to anything. So there are some things that will be different. So if, if you're in a brand new car that's yep. got AC, ASC this and DSC that and yep. all sorts of traction control and your controller stuff, that will there'll be different things you might have to take into account to an old XJS yeah. that doesn't have any of that. So, for example, I've never done, like, uh, up until probably this weekend, I've never had to do a double D clutch blip to try and downshift yeah. and not lose the back end or whatever. So I was like, can, can somebody just slow that down and tell me at what point I do that and then mm-hmm. what do I blip at that? And then, like, I, theory is what I needed first. Mm-hmm. And so then the only way I learned was just by giving it a go on the test day, go, the yeah. day before. So, yeah, um, so that's a really good example of yeah. something that if you actually sat and watched someone doing it in yes. slow time. We yep. had time to process it and learn it and take it in yourself and understand not just what was being done, but why it was happening. Ex- exactly, yeah. Because I was like, people are like, are you, are you heel and towing? I'm like, well, not yet, because I've only just you know, driven the car for the first time mm. ever. But like, what advantage does that give me to... like? Literally, I had no idea how that gave me an advantage. I knew it was a thing that people, all everyone did, but I didn't yeah. know why. So yeah. I was like, to be able to have the ability to understand why I was doing or was meant to be doing it and how to do it to get the best result would have been really helpful for me beforehand yeah. so yeah like it's, would that be something that you'd i don't know that's what i'm thinking classic because um, you don't have to i don't have to do that in the in the volvo rock no, today so. it does it all for you doesn't it <laughs> yeah. so yeah but but you'll probably find a lot of a lot of track cars most track cars are probably still going to be using some sort of manual mm-hmm. so from that point of view um that's a skill that's always going to be important and mm-hmm. hidden toe is one of these things that everyone just takes it as a bit of a grant as a as a given like oh you guys hidden toe but I think you quickly realise not everyone is either up to speed with what it is or why they do it or how to do it in yeah. the first place. Mm-hmm. So actually just taking it a step back and, and just talking about the theory behind it and getting that ingrained before mm-hmm. you go and give it a go in a car itself for real 
is um is important and valuable. And I think also we've realised stuff that we do naturally anyway, things like mm-hmm. filming our footage and then when we get back from the track day, just reviewing it, there's huge value in that. Because if you don't stop and review what you've done or perhaps what your mistakes were, you're never gonna have a chance to learn from them again. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't know what you did wrong, you don't know what you should do differently next time. And is that it. something you're offering as well? You I I know we've had conversations in the past about people potentially sending in footage of them driving on a track day to say to you, do you think there's anywhere that I can improve? And obviously it, it can be difficult because ideally you'd have cameras set up in particular positions. But do you think you as um, camera combustion would be able to review somebody's footage? Let's say they've just strapped a GoPro to their windscreen. Can you see enough of their driving style in there to perhaps say, well, look, I can see you've got good lines, but you know, break a bit earlier or break a bit later. Yeah. Or is it... Uh, is it that easy? I don't want to say easy, as in, you know, it's, it's super easy, but are you able to, do you think you are able to help people in that sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that I think that's part of um, the community that we're, the platform we want to build where mm-hmm. people, you know, we set the modules, but ultimately people can come to us and as, mu- as much as they want with whatever feedback they have, be that videos, be that just a chat on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we'll be able to break that down. You know, there's a lot to be told from from watching videos back. We've yeah. learned a hell of a lot from watching our own videos back. You know, whenever I make a mistake on track, which still happens, you know, a lot, <laughs> um, I will watch it back again and again and again and again and again until I understand what at what point it went wrong mm-hmm. and why and how I could have avoided it. And that's something that I'm a huge advocate of at the moment, actually, is, is well, period, is, you know, you need to be able to look at a video and understand why something's happened to the car. That yes. is such a, and that's what we learned from hours of watching YouTube videos. We understood that a sharp input of, you know, steering, throttle, brake, whatever it be, mm-hmm. had a subsequent result in the car behaving in the way that it did. Absolutely. And once you understand that, that's when you can use that baseline to then practice in real life. So, absolutely, like the theory and the practical go hand in hand, mm-hmm. but the theory is so often overlooked. I think there's a really like e- not easy way, but a, a really good way to go about teaching people the theory to ingrain it in them to really help them make big steps in, in improvements in their driving. So, yeah, perfect. So my idea, which I've kind of planted the seed, I think, in all of your heads separately before we <laughs> sat down and recorded this podcast, yep. is that now that Amy is embarking her what will be a very successful motorsport career, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think I think it's fair to say, like everyone, even people that have been racing for many many years, there's, there's certainly no harm in having a bit of tuition um, and just somebody to kind of guide you through the process. How would you guys feel about having a day or two or three? with our very own Amy here. It can be in a car of our choice. I'm sure we can get hold of a car somewhere. Um, but just seeing, because we obviously want Amy to now excel in her motorsport career and start <laughs> winning stuff because we're putting our logo on the car. Yeah. So that's yeah. very important. We need to see them win. <laughs> yeah. No pressure, Amy. No, no, right? <laughs> Do you think there's a way that we could perhaps get the uh, get a group of us together, perhaps get a, a few extra names on a track somewhere? And what I'm thinking is um, I'd like to see a full, a, a, a comparison of let's say Amy setting a lap in first thing in the morning, we sit you in a car, go Mm -hmm. out and do a lap. And then you have a day with the boys here. And then you set the same lap later on in the day to see how many seconds we save. How does that sound as a, as a practical exercise for us? I would be well up for that. (laughs) Absolutely, I think it'd be good fun. And what do you think? I mean, obviously everyone's going to be slightly different, but what do you think is a, is a reasonable, I'm going to think back to your old boss at the AA. What sort of time differences were you seeing there in comparison to when he started versus when he was actually starting to do well? Um, So I can't remember how, how long is a lap at Silverstone South? South Not a long track. Is that about a minute and 30? 
probably it about that yeah, about that i would yeah. say not much more yeah um yeah so i think we saw like four seconds off his time that's around there strong, and it? it's not a not a long lap so that's that's a pretty jump. strong yeah, yeah. pretty strong improvement yeah. but as cliche as it as it sounds like it is completely down to the individual it depends yeah. where they're starting from because if amy's you know already at a really competent point then yeah. the the improvements will be will be smaller but sure it it completely depends. I suppose that's one question I had. Like when you um, when you meet your people that learn for the, the for the first time, is is there a common thing that they need to improve on? Is, is it literally the theory side of they need to learn to to break later, or they're taking the wrong lines, or is it a confidence building type of thing, or would you say that it's a kind of a mixture of everything that you kind of help them improve on? I think from my experience, every every person's different. Mm-hmm. So like. The style I like to take is just to literally let someone drive for a few laps by themselves with me in the passenger seat and just for me to be quiet and just watch and absorb and just um, chat to them and, 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 you know, after that first session and just ask them various questions to prompt them to see if they knew why various things happened and then to go from there. That creates kind of like a baseline. That and helps then, you get an understanding of what they understand as yeah, well. Because I, I think back to when I used to do a lot of track days and trying to explain to people the difference there were people that understood car dynamics and handling from a physics point of view. Yeah. And there were some people that just didn't get the physics side of things at all. So yeah, once yeah. you understood, you know, the, as you said before, yeah, the way that a car can dramatically change in, in accordance to how quickly you move the steering wheel or how yeah. sharply you apply the brakes, you know, if that physics, whether you like it or not, is always apparent in everything we do. But if you have an understanding of physics, for me personally, that was the way that I learned car control. It was understanding the forces, be that kinetic forces and, you know, uh, rotational mass that sort of stuff once I got my head around that I thought oh actually it all makes perfect sense but you yeah. always have people that don't understand that and don't yeah. think in that way so exactly. yeah, it's about adapting to see how people think absolutely and and some people you know everyone learns it differently so some people don't necessarily even need to know that side in huge detail mm. they just have this incredible feel where they you know there's just this natural instinct to them where they you know they don't dive so deeply into the physics they just alter their behavior based on what the car's feeling they just get straight in tune that's not always the case but i think at first we just identify my my philosophy is just to identify one to maximum three things Mm -hmm. which i think would have the biggest effect on overall lap time and that could be different for everyone Mm -hmm. so i could only say that once you know we've had seat time in the car yeah yeah Okay. Oh, I'm excited now. To, to yeah, get can we do like either Silverson or Donington? Because I've got like a heads up on those already. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you got the insider info. Yes, <laughs> if exactly. We get, if we get Amy linking a drift down Craner Curve in a Jag, <laughs> yeah. then, then we nailed it. Oh, Our work here is done. A few video hits on that one as well. Should, I think, yeah, and a yeah. few, few more black flags. By exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, 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 I think the most scared I've been as a grown-up was probably my one of my first few times down Craner Curves when the guy that was teaching me was just like, Floor it, and I was like, no, I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Try the just when you're when you're downhill, and you are heading towards. Is the old hairpin? Is that yeah, the, the one? Yeah, and yeah. you're just thinking, I am not going to stop. And there are cars everywhere, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You're just, oh, the the fear was real. So oh, um, it's one of those bits of track that no matter how many YouTube videos or PlayStation games you played and have driven or have watched it on, yeah. it's only when you get on it yourself for the very first time you think. Damn, this is stick, I, man. I think because you, yeah, because you, you feel, unlike, I mean, obviously you have got some sims that you can get the, the, the you know, the, the, the whatever it's called, the motion where mm-hmm. you'll move yeah. the seat that you're in. But until you feel the gravity pulling you towards yeah. the yeah, bottom yeah, of yeah. that, you're just like, oh, wow, no, I really hope this is okay. And yeah. I'm now, yeah. yeah, like I've, 
I was never sworn so much. <laughs> <laughs> the air was blue. Honestly, <laughs> yes, yes. I think it's that. It's Craner and also Paddock Hill at Brands Hatch. Hatch, you know, I've done the first. No idea. I'm sure you do Brands Hatch at some point. I've, and the first, yes. the first right-hander just after the apex, there's a huge dip mm. at Paddock Hill. And every time you go there, you yes. forget how how deep yeah, it is. You, you feel it in your drops. stomach. It's and is it then when you get to the bottom, when you when your stomach is like Depression, yeah, 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 and you yeah. Can, then you come back up again. And you're yeah, just and the like, steering goes really heavy, and you're sort of running out of road because you haven't put enough steering lock on, and you can't put more on because it's so heavy when it's compressed, and then you get up the back of the hill up the top of the hill and you realise you've made it and you're alive and you think I'll do that again in 35 seconds (laughs) (laughs) yeah as you know it's a great experience so before we wrap things up I guess there will be a lot of people listening that are probably going to be quite excited about the idea of getting out on track Uh, but I know for a lot of people it's quite a scary concept and a scary idea and again credit to you both in your choice of cars and not having to you know have cars that break the bank what would you say for somebody that's thinking about it I want to get into track days um, but I have no idea where to start or what to buy what do you think is a reasonable amount of money to spend? Um, what would be a good kind of go-to first car choice or maybe one or two car choices to consider um, to just get out there and have a good time? Because I think, again, a lot of people have this idea that they have to buy something really expensive and then put really expensive tyres on and really expensive brakes on and really expensive suspension. But it isn't really that. That isn't the case at all, really. You can still go out and have a good time and be fairly competitive with something fairly cheap. Yeah. So what would you say is a good starter track day car? I mean, we're in the fortunate position where our friendship group, of which you are part of, John, and the guys from Driftworks, yeah. who are used to driving these 500 horsepower drift cars, they've all come around to our way of thinking now, which is to buy cars that fit our model of sub 200 horsepower front wheel drive mm-hmm. track cars. And I'm yet to be converted. Let me just we are. John is the final member of the club who doesn't know he's going to be a member yet. But we're working on I'm a still weekly adamant. basis. We're working on it. I am still very much rear wheel drive yeah. plus horsepower and I will not budge. Yeah. So I've got, I've got a Clio 172, which for me was about two and a half. And that came mm-hmm. with half cage and some suspension mm-hmm. and tires and buckets in it already. Um, but there's, you look on any, Pissing Heads, Auto Trader, eBay, there's a plethora of those in a yeah. complete variety of states out there, which I think you can probably pick up from 1,500 quid to mm-hmm. to three to, three or four times that amount. And that, if you get one that's reliable, which so far, Touchwood, mine has been, then they're a great fun track car. They've, they've got a really raw chassis. Yeah. Um, and they just feel alive. Like you, The steering's great. You know exactly what's going on, what the wheels are doing, what the tyres are doing, what the brakes are doing at any time. I do say if you get one that's good because our other friend Jay from Driftworks has also got one and I don't yeah. think he's done a track day yet where, where some something luck. hasn't gone oh, wrong. No. He must be the most unlucky Renault Clio owner yeah. going <laughs> here. Unfortunately. But he's yeah. sticking with it. This he is, is. Yeah, I know. I, he is crazy. I admire his dedication. <laughs> he's got strong dedication. Yeah. So but, the, um, go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say, so the Clio is always a good option. Yeah. Um, no, I'd back that. I was going to say the same thing. I think a Clio 172, 182, 197, 200, any of those, whichever fits your budget accordingly, I think they're a cracking car to yeah. start with. And I think John nailed nailed it as well when he said you know there's far too often there's people who feel like they need coilovers or they need Mm. tires or they need this before they get on track it's just like just get out on track just get a helmet and get out on track and you know you may you may decide you don't even like the car you know it's like so many people just pull that money in first and decide later that that they feel like they're so far invested into that car that now they have to keep that car and that's that's the the route they've gone down Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, focus on the driving. If you're going to spend money on something, spend money on the thing that you can then take to any car that you own in the future mm. or any car that you step into. An instructor, good old instructor friend of mine, Steve Lewis. Hello, Steve, if you're listening. Um, once said to me many years ago that the most valuable modification that you can 
purchase for your car is tuition. 100%. Yeah. Have somebody yes. tell you how to drive the yeah. damn thing. Because once you've got that, you can't take that away. Yeah. You know, you can put expensive tires on, but those tires will run out eventually. 100%. Um, your talent, once you've been taught, if you get yourself a good teacher, like you guys really, like it, um, it's it's priceless, yeah. effectively. So no, yeah. 100%. And, you know, I almost feel like as well that you you need to be getting the most out of your car or near enough to be able to then determine what the modifications you're doing to, to the car are actually doing and, yeah. and how they're benefiting you. Because if you're driving at, you know, 70, 80% and you change something, chances are it's going to behave differently at 70, 80% to it is 100, 110%. So that's key. Perfect. Okay, so where can our dear listeners find out all about you? Where can they... Um... So if they head to our website, yep. cameroncombustion.com, they can check out what we're up to. They can sign up to our newsletter where we pump out weekly driving tits and... Tips. <laughs> a different type of driving thing. <laughs> driving tips. Um, and just other updates about what we're up to, what we've been up to in the world of track driving and cars. Um, but yeah, find us on YouTube, Camera Combustion and Instagram. There are two main outlets for our crazy shenanigans laughing driving black flagging content. <laughs> yeah, find us there fantastic well guys thank you alex and matt thank you so much thank you very much for having thank us. you for watch this space for uh, some fun and games with our very own amy and the boys yes. and i'm going to try and get in there and get in on that action as well <laughs> i'm sure andy J, who's not been with us on this po- podcast but i'm sure andy J will want I to get in on this as well hilarious and be fantastic we'll get uh, we'll get all of us going around and perhaps do some funny challenges of who gets most improved lap times yeah that'd, be, yeah, awesome. that'd be great i can feel a driven chat endurance race coming up yes here. Yes. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so, so much. Listener, thank you very much for listening with us. We are, of course, the Driven Chat Podcast, and you can find us across our social media channels at Driven Chat, and you can see everything that we do at drivenchat.com. Thank you very much for listening, and see you again next time. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye